0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And I can testify from personal experience that where I've tried to maybe leapfrog or jump into something that was just Too big for me, I've lost my shirt. So I think, you know, the the context around wealth building for most people is it should be considered and done mindfully and with a sense of patience. Like patience, and it's for me, that has been the hardest trait to, um, I guess, encourage in myself over the last 20 years is just patience.
1: This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Taran Shum, and in this episode, we're speaking with Amazon best selling author, chartered accountant, and founder of the Freedom Warrior program, Selena Kilkani. She delves into the importance of timing when it comes to alternative strategies and explains the ins and outs of a case study where a client not only got his investment cake but was able to eat it too. (music) Kilkani lives and breathes alternative investment strategies, topics many people are curious about. One of the biggest questions regarding this is, is there an ideal time to jump in?
0: It's actually a really considered and a great question to be asking because it's definitely true that alternative investments are not for everyone. Uh, And, you know, we've talked about this in the past, the the three stages of or the three parts of the game when it comes to wealth building. So, you know, in terms of, you know, there's two parts to it. One is a timing issue and the other is do alternative investments even align with what you're trying to achieve?
1: That's always the biggest challenge because... How do you know when is the actual ideal time to, to jump in and, and, you know, what stage? Is there some kind of fixed number? Is it sort of, you know, the, how many properties you've got in your portfolio? It's, it's a hard question because you get so many investors who are eager, who have built a, a substantial amount of portfolio, properties in their portfolio. But at the same time, then there's other investors who maybe have only one or two just starting out and might be interested in the fact that the alternative strategies can help them build wealth because the increase in capital seems really sexy and really, really uh, a future painted picture. But realistically, what are the things that we need to consider that can help them make that determination or that decision to jump in?
0: This is definitely a really important conversation. My own experience and perspective on this is that, um, you know, building wealth is a little bit like playing a, a very, very slow game of chess. Um, rather than checkers and you know checkers can be super fast and you can you know jump pieces and the game can be over in seconds flat and I'm, I'm sure that's true of chess as well but um, you know for most people it's a it's a slow measured game and I think one of the challenges that people face when they become investors is that there's you know you're always battling impatience and I'm Shocking at this like one of my greatest flaws as my husband will testify is that I'm one of the most impatient people when it just comes to just getting stuff done and what wealth building has taught me is it doesn't matter how much you hustle or how many corners you try to cut or you know any of those things you you need it you know wealth building takes time And if you're looking down the barrel of something that you think could be a get-rich-quick, then from my perspective, you're barking up the wrong tree. And and I can testify from personal experience that where I've tried to maybe leapfrog or jump into something that was just too big for me, I've lost my shirt. So I think, you know, the, the context around wealth building for most people is it should be considered and done mindfully and with a sense of patience. Like patience, and it's, for me, that has been the hardest trait to, um, I guess, encourage in myself over the last 20 years is just patience. And the further along you get, the more exponential the results in less time. But when we're talking about um, the place of different asset classes and different types of investing i think the first part is you know recognizing where you are in your journey so are you in you know part one of the game where basically if you're starting from zero and you haven't had some huge inheritance that's just been handed to you you've got to create surplus and you know i call that spring you know when you're in the spring of investing it's all about how do I take what I earn and create surplus, and uh, that's a tough time for young people, especially. But even if you're someone who's older, who's maybe coming to the wealth game or the the wealth building game late, you've got to create surplus. If you can't create surplus, it's real. If you can't live within your means, if you can't, you know, build great stewardship, it's really hard to create surplus. So if you're in part one of the game, um, The first part is spring and then you move into summer. Summer is all about how do I get traction? How do I use leverage to build capital? And as we've talked about before, the local Australian real estate market is the best playground for that. Um, You know, there are opportunities to put a little bit of money in to get a massive result over time. So part one of the game is really that and you can't bypass that, you can't kind of go, well, let me forget about that and let me jump into sexier strategies that are, you know, better for cash flow necessarily. It's, I'll put the asterisk
1: necessarily. That's the challenge. I, I agree with you. And, you know, when somebody says, says, oh, look, you know, we've got a fantastic deal here that's returning, say, 20 or 30% return, and you go, wow, that's phenomenal compared to say buying a property that's going to return you maybe about 3 to 4% depending on the rental yield and after all the costs, you go to yourself, gosh, I can accelerate my journey much faster by just investing to these deals com- comparison to just buying an asset that one, you're going to have to put a lot of upfront cost initially and two, you know, it's going to take a while for it to grow. It could be anywhere up to 10, 20 years or whatever it is depending on the capital growth of it. On top of that, there's also headaches of having to manage the tenant with the property manager and I know and you know from experience nothing is always going to be passive you know with property there's still going to be some form of you know involvement you got to make sure you check you got to speak to your agent etc that kind of thing so you go oh gosh it's so much headache just for that compared to say okay let's just jump into getting into one of these deals that could return that percentage you don't have to worry about those headaches what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah that's interesting Look, there's no question. One of the things that people get really excited about with the lending deals and with the alternative investing space is that the cash returns are staggering, like compared to what we can earn from traditional property. But transitioning into alternative investments without a good capital base behind you, I think, is potentially foolish. Unless you have, unless you have this luxury of epic income, like if you're earning amazing money. And you just want to skip the capital building and just go straight for income replacement. I can, I understand that, that thinking, I guess, you know, I think my training has made me very conservative. And what I believe is that you sort of want, you know, multiple safety nets behind you. And so for someone who's a less experienced investor, um, and it's not, it's not so much that alternative investments are a Higher risk necessarily, because some of the things I do are pretty low risk. It's just more about like, does it make sense for you to be trying to build cash flow um, from the viewpoint? Like, effectively, if you're taking income and, and putting it straight into alternative, you're saving your way into building passive income versus letting that capital asset do the heavy lifting for you. You're not, you know, you're not really using leverage. Um, So it's not, I don't want to be like, I don't want to tarnish everyone with the same brush. But if you're in the situation where you're new to investing, why not take a few years and build some capital and then take a small percentage of that capital and allocate it to the sorts of deals that you and I are doing where you can get strong double digit returns. Um, But I think I just, you know, I actually care deeply about the outcomes that people get and the risk with taking money if you have no capital behind you and putting it all on red at the casino is kind of what we're you know that's sort of the risk we're talking about. Obviously, we're not you know we're, what we do isn't going to the casino, but I'm just not a huge advocate of putting all your eggs in one basket.
1: Yeah, it's it's good that you mentioned that analogy because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you say for example, invest your funds that are coming from equity or the capital you have built up in your property portfolio, the I guess you can borrow that against you know the property, and if something does go wrong, as an example, you don't actually get that money back. You still have time to be able to pay that back off because you know it's just funds us in the equity, and then over time the capital that grows in that can essentially, I guess, not necessarily replace it, but at least you've still got capital growth in there some shape or form. But if you actually had that money that you hadn't purchased any properties, you didn't have any capital sitting behind you and you use those funds that you had saved up essentially from your income and invest invested that, you basically lose all that money. And, and that that is, you know, to me as well is quite a risky strategy. Not saying that the deals are risky but if something does happen, you don't have a backup plan, you've lost all your hard-earned money and there's no backup there. So I see where you're coming from with that side of things, because at least if you've got a property and you're able to draw out capital or equity from it and invest that into, say, you know these alternative strategies, if something does go wrong, at least you've got an asset that's available that you can tap into eventually again. Coming up after the break, we dive into some real-life case studies.
0: And this is just a like a... It's a real person but let's give them an imaginary name of of Bill. Um, So, Bill comes along and he's got half a million dollars, right? And he just wants to understand what what are my options? Like, what, what could I do with that?
1: We discuss Bill's options and their respective pros and cons.
0: So, that is the boom mic drop there which is... That is why I, I know it's sexy to say, let me do it in six or seven. But the beauty of option three is you get your cake and you, you get to eat it too.
1: She shares her advice for entering into any strategy.
0: I think the thing that I always emphasize and you know I, I love this idea of being a strategist first and foremost um, before we even talk about you know which strategy. But I think the, um, the truth of the matter is there is no right or wrong.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sham and you're listening to Property Investor. Hey property investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1 to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, Simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a high return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Coming back, Kilcarny explains how she applies the idea of alternative investments. And turns them into reality.
0: This is just a like a it's a real person, but let's give them a, an imaginary name of, of Bill. Um, so Bill comes along and he's got half a million dollars, right? And he just wants to understand what what are my options? Like what, what could I do with that? So the first option that he could consider is going all in on local property. You know, just property as we know it. Simple buy and hold, and um, I've got the mental math roughly there, which is that he could go out and, assuming his closing costs were about say four percent, he could go out and buy just over two point zero eight million dollars worth of assets, assuming a twenty percent deposit and four percent closing costs. So he'd have equity of about 000 in equity from that portfolio. Fast forward 10 years, let's assume he got 4% growth or 5% growth or 6% growth. And we just want to kind of do the analysis that would give him an asset base of somewhere between say $1.29 and $1.85 million in equity over that 10 year period. So not insignificant and a pretty good outcome. If we then go, well, what cash flow would Bill be earning on that portfolio? And let's be super optimistic. And I know everyone generally likes to throw around the gross number, but I like talking net, like what do you got after all expenses? And optimistically, and you and I have talked about this before, the average for Australia is one to 2.5%. So let's, let's assume 2%. His income off that portfolio if he'd got 4% growth would be 25 26,000 if he'd had 6% growth it would be as high as 37,000 at 2% in uh, income stream so that's the first option that he could have gone all in on local
1: one thing i want to mention when you look at that 10 years great you know the capital growth is tremendous 1.9 from 400,000 but the income is absolutely poor <laughs> i'm going to point that out <laughs> And you go, Why? it's not not glamorous at all and you still can't get out of a job or if you're still working in a business or whatever it is, you're still stuck there because you're not going to survive on 20-odd, 30-odd K a year. And that's where, where the dilemma comes along.
0: And here's the thing. What, what you're saying is exactly the dilemma I have about the Australian property market. By itself, it is awesome for building capital. It is absolutely crap for cash flow. But let me let me take you through this case study because I think it will help you understand when someone comes to me, what I'm trying to contrast for them. But the next thing is, like, let's assume they said to me, well, Selena, what if we went all in on alternative? Half a million dollars. Um, So, like, let's assume we split that into three buckets and then split split those buckets into multiple deals. But let's say we took 125000 and we said, right, we're going to chase a bunch of deals that earn us 10%. We're going to take the bulk of it, 250000 and put it into deals that earn us 8% and then we'll take another 125 and put it into deals that earn 12. So we're being fairly conservative, not wild. Like you and I know there are much better returns, but that's kind of, and when you add up the cash flow from that kind of split, maybe that gives you 47 and a half thousand, something like that. Like just by putting those three buckets together. If you fast forward that for 10 years, now, if you just took that money off the table every year, that's 47 and you took off the table each year. At 10 years, you took 475,000. But let's say for that 10 year block, you didn't need the money and you could reinvest it at the end of every year. At the end of 10 years, that would be throwing off an annuity of $122,000 per annum. So that's the second scenario. Like, You're all in on alternative, and obviously that sounds incredibly sexy. But what if you're someone who's, like, super conservative, like as I, someone like me? Let's talk about what I'm calling the hybrid or the blend, which to some degree gives you your cake and you can eat it too. But let's imagine for the first 10 years, you just say, I don't feel like I can stomach going all in on alternatives straight away, like I want to build that capital base behind me. So you go in on all local real estate and let's assume we go middle of the road, we have 5% growth during that 10 year block. In 10 years time, you end up in that scenario where you've got 1.565 million in equity and at 2% cash flow, that's about 31,000. Okay, so that's, that's the scenario. So you've got 1.565 in capital now and $31,000 income. Now, let's look at three scenarios. In one scenario, you take 30% of that equity or 40% or 50%. Like I'm going to show you three scenarios. And you, you take a percentage of that capital and you put it into alternative. So that may involve refinancing. It may involve liquidating one asset, you know, whatever that looks like. But if you took, say, 30% of that capital and put it into alternative all the way through to, I, I, I'm, I like to contrast 30, 40, 50 and even 20, but in this case we'll do 30, 40, 50, what happens to your total cash flow? At 30%, it jumps from being 31000 up to 66000 If you had taken 40% of that portfolio and put it into alternative, it would jump from 31000 up to 78000 And if you had taken 50% of that portfolio and put it into alternative, your income jumps to 90. Now, if, you, if we're talking about the increase in cash flow simply by tweaking the portfolio at year 10, like so you haven't done anything prior to that, you've increased your cash flow somewhere between 212 and 287%. And that is the magic of what we're talking about here, is how do you have your cake and eat it too? So if I give this to you in a summary so that you understand it, the options are this. This is the options for Bill. Option one, let's say his goal, and this is where the alignment with with strategy and goals matters, and I'm being very simplistic, but let's say his goal is he wants to get to $100,000 passive income. Option one, if he goes all in on property here in Australia, based on the numbers that we talked about, it would take him 25 plus years to hit 100K. If we went went all in on option two, he would hit 100K somewhere between six to seven years. And if he went with option three, which was let me blend Australian real estate with alternative, he would do it in 10 to 12 years, but actually he'd be doing it in two years because He's really only introduced alternative in year 10. So that is the boom mic drop there, which is, that is why I I know it's sexy to say, let me do it in six or seven, but the beauty of option three is you get your cake and you, you get to eat it too. I love that. So that was very long-winded, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> it was perfect. The reason why I resonate with that so much is because, this is actually a real scenario of multiple investors that I work with because they come to me for these alternative strategies, and we invest it. And it, you know, the other day I was just having a chat to one of them who, you know, incidentally isn't called Bill, but is very similar to the scenarios that he has quite a substantial portfolio. And he said to me, "Hey, um, Tyron, what's the next deal coming out?" I said, "Oh, it'll be in the next couple of weeks." Well, wait for me because I'm just going back to my broker who's going to help me refinance out another three or four hundred k. I said, no, that's great, and and I should also let you know he's reinvested a million dollars with us as well. So he keeps reinvesting his equity and the capital that he's got originally from his portfolio rather than let sit there because I know that his portfolio is generate quite a lot of cash flow as well. But he just says, look, it's just much better to put them into alternative strategies, and I'm pretty sure it's only a small proportion of his portfolio because he's you know high net wealth. Uh, but what's fascinating is that, yeah, I mean, if he if he continually generates between fifteen to twenty percent, that's really conservative. He's going to generate easily, oh, two to three hundred thousand dollars extra cash flow on top of his portfolio that's already throwing out cash from there. And that that's a typical scenario of a investor that I currently work with, um, on pretty much on a regular basis. So. It's it's not uncommon but I think it's also a question is at what time in the journey do you do this and he's obviously been in property for the last more than a decade um, you know he's got a I guess what I would say you know he's not uh, he's not young anymore um, he's got teenage kids but he, he's obviously you know done that strategy very much in a hybrid way uh, knowing that that's what I guess that's what we've been talking about the third option of that strategy and it seems to be a very very effective strategy hearing that out.
0: I think the thing that I always emphasize and you know I I love this idea of being a strategist first and foremost um, before we even talk about you know which strategy but I think the um, the truth of the matter is there is no right or wrong um, and I've worked with investors and I'm I'm going to be devil's advocate here Tyrone but I've worked with investors who are high net worth who, you know, do what that guy's doing, which is I'm, I'm all in on red and then they lose it. And it's not necessarily that they die in a ditch over it, but the emotional toll of having to tell your spouse or your family that you lost over a million dollars, it's it's not great. And so it, it's no, there's no right or wrong as long as you're going into it eyes wide open. But I'm I'm super careful about the people that I take under my wing because I I, I want this to be like an experience where, you know, they're not placing it all on red because that just doesn't align with me, and that they stay really safe. Um, and so I think it's really important that people when they're looking at alternative, they're really you know. Understanding the implications if it doesn't go according to plan, and they understand the implications in terms of the context of their whole portfolio. How much are you putting at risk in this particular strategy? Um, and, and then the, the opposite's true as well. Like if you went all in on traditional buy and hold, that wouldn't serve you either. Um, so it's about finding the balance.
1: That's right. So, it's finding a, a right balance between the two which is what we're talking about which is this hybrid strategy and I guess the question then really comes down to is asking yourself what are the goals that you're trying to achieve because ultimately, you know, these deals are everywhere if, if you look hard enough, they do come in but the question is is how many of these deals would be enough to serve the purpose of reaching the goal that you want to achieve which you know, some people can get overboard and just keep doing it for the sake of that high. It's almost like as though it's some kind of winning lotto or something like that. Um, but as you said, ultimately, it's a, you've got to look at it from a conservative point of view and approach that you want to preserve your money there.
0: I think the only other thing I want to add though, Tyrone, as well is that we've talked about lending deals in other podcasts and this could be another topic for another time, but there's a big difference between short-term lending and, and long-term lending deals and the The downside, if you like, of having lucrative returns on a short term lending deal is you've got your turnover of capital and that capital churn. And what that means is if you commit to a a bunch of 12 month projects, that means every 12 months when you get your money back, you've got to find another home for it. And so if you're not aligned with someone or a group that can just supply that to you endlessly, you will get yield drag. And I think, I'm not sure if we've spoken about that before, but um, yeah, that, that is the downside of short-term lending deals as an investor.
1: Thank you to Selena Kilcani, our guest on this special episode of Property Investory. And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market, and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short six months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.